episode of the third season of Typod. Throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, we've seen many changes made within our school district, Montgomery County Public Schools, to accommodate student needs in a new learning setting. Most recently, MCPS has altered its grading policy, allowing for 16 total assignments and correct for late work. In this episode, we will be examining the perspective of two RM teachers on the new policy, discussing their thoughts and its impact on their jobs. Today, we are joined by Richard Montgomery teachers, Miss Lucky and Dr. Kovacs. Your hosts for this episode are Lydia Ye and Annie Guo. Do you mind introducing yourselves, like your names and your professions and everything? Sure. Yeah. My name is Carl Kovacs. I'm in the, uh, um, also known as Dr. K to, to a lot of the students and I'm in the science department and I teach forensic science and I also teach biology. Nice. And I'm Susan Leckie. Uh, I've been teaching at Richard Montgomery since 2009 and I'm currently teaching honors English 10 and IB literature. Uh, to 11th grade students. Um, I don't have any snappy um, nicknames like Dr. K, but like you can call me Dr. L. <laughs> Just not late for lunch. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> So I just want to ask more broadly, how has the pandemic and online school impacted your work and how will this continue to affect teaching during the next semester? I think, I think one of the things that's been hard for me, um, it's been harder to try and build community, which I think is really important. It's especially important now. Um, but it's so much easier to do it in person when we create those little moments where we have a joke in class that they carry out for the rest of the year. And, um, you know, people come into the classroom and, you know, they're sitting at table groups and this group's talking about one thing, but everybody's having their personal conversations. And then when we, you know, need to start class, everybody kind of settles and then we, we start working together. And those moments are gone now because you can't just come into a Zoom meeting and uh, a Zoom class and just everybody start talking to each other all at one time. So um, I know that some students do that. I've had I've, I've one really chatty class of um, diploma program, uh, Ivy Literature, 11th graders, and they know how to use the chat and they're back and forth with each other. And it's, um, it's kind of distracting to me because I want to talk and listen and read all at the same time. And then if I try to do all three, I'm not doing any of them well. Um, but, but trying to build that community and hold on to that and it is just, it's, it can, it can be hard enough getting to know each other in the first place, but then getting to know new students on a zoom when we've never met in person before is just so, so hard. Yeah. Uh, same thing for me. I mean, it really is. I mean, the idea of students being muted, both figuratively and literally mm -hmm. is, is really, uh, a big downer and um, anything I can do to interact is 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 my is my goal right now in fact that's my professional development goal is to is to learn new ways to reach and and connect uh, be it online quizzes quizzes or whatever it takes uh, but not having that interaction you know a lot of teachers used to complain about students talking too much in class well you got your wish they're not talking in class congratulations but it's not a lot of fun not having that type of banter right that's that's part of the living force of a living classroom and uh that's been unplugged and i don't like it and i don't think a lot of students like it either um 
hallways, all of those things that actually could have been annoying at some point as actually being missed, being missed by a lot of people. Um, you know, trying to rewrite uh, lesson plans as well has effect, you know, it has an, its effect uh, because how much content can we actually deliver in two hours and maintain that interaction with the students? Uh, it's really becoming an art form for the successful teachers who can stay connected and deliver uh, everything that they need for the next year. Uh, so that's the challenge. Uh, we're trying our hardest, and uh, I know that you guys are too. So we'll get there. Yes, somebody observed in our advisory yesterday um, that one of the things that they miss is just turning to that person and saying, hey. And it's like, whether it's like you end up on a stairwell in the same place, and you don't know that kid because you don't have classes together, but it's like, oh yeah, I guess I see you here on this stairwell every you know day between third and fourth period. Those little coincidental meetings that are the things that help us feel like we're part of a community are not there anymore, which is, is like a really great reason for having some of the um, initiatives like the, wasn't there a freshman game night and, and some of the other things that the school's trying to do to foster that um, feeling of like unity, even when we're like spread out geographically so much. Sure. And I think another thing that's happening is uh, some positives is, you know, we're learning better ways to interact, something that's more interesting because we're trying lots of new things now. Right, not new technology that we didn't try before in the classroom. And the other thing that, that I'm noticing, and, and, and maybe you're aware, maybe you aren't, but even uh, as far high, as high up as the school board is now shifting a little bit more focus into listening very carefully to the schools and the teachers and the administrators of the schools for that feedback, right? Um, if you listen to the recent, most recent board meeting, that's what they were saying, that if we're going to decide whether we're going back to school or not, we're going to be listening to a lot of what the, what the admin and our principals and, and are going to be telling us. Mm -hmm. So there's another plus. So tell us about the new grading policy, um, what's being changed with the assignments and the late work and the zeros, just essentially what will the new policy look like? So what I've employed new is, as far as most recently, if an assignment is not handed in, uh, which is, you know, a, a challenge for, for a lot of us during uh, online teaching. Uh, you normally would get a 0% because there was nothing there to grade. Uh, one of the changes has been to, to try to make certain that the, the parents and the students have been clearly informed, uh, that they know that they didn't hand something in before you award the 0%. And if you haven't made that connection, then, then it'll go into the grade book as a, as a 50%, uh, really restaging the, uh, the starting line um, and uh, trying to put maybe a little bit of a handicap onto the online teaching now and, and learning, you know, trying to give that new boost. Mm -hmm. And that was one new part. And then the other part was um, probably behind the scenes, you don't realize this is, and I'm not sure if this is Richard Montgomery specific or not, but you don't have to have a certain number of these practice assignments and all tasks assignments. Um, that large number that was required in the first half of the quarter has been lessened. So that those are the two things that I know of. This is just a quick clarifying question. So I've heard it both ways from like different people. I've heard that 
the teacher has to email the parent if the kid doesn't turn in work or it's like if you don't want the kid to get a 50 then you email them but i've heard it either way where it's required or it's not required yeah well i mean that's you know a little semantic there because before you can award a zero percent yes the parents and the and the student need to be uh, aware that it's missing okay there's lots of reasons why it may not be handed in so you have to make certain that they're aware of that before simply just giving a zero percent. Um, I don't know if that addressed your, your question. So how does this impact your lesson plans already? Like, do you need to do major readjusting in order to adjust to the new assignment requirements? So like your questions are really um, fantastic and you're, you're really getting at the heart of what so many of us are having trouble with already. And there's, there's the, like the literal how much time it takes to like enter a grade in Canvas and sync grades and then go in and change um, the missing grade to a 50% and put a notation that it's missing. I mean, there are easy ways to work within a couple of different platforms, but a lot of these platforms are new to us. So as teachers, we're still learning how to use them. I'm speaking for myself and some of my colleagues, but it's just the same way that students are trying to figure out how to use the platforms as well. It's one of the things that we kind of feel like sometimes we're grading when students turn in work or they turn it in late or they put it in the wrong place. It's like, it's, it's almost like that's, that's like how well have you mastered the technology to figure out how to turn this thing in, right? Um, as far as preparing, to be honest with you, I, I think one of the, the things that it can be so exhausting about the job for teachers and the thing that we imagine is really exhausting for students is that everything seems like it's always changing. So there's this feeling like we're on that hamster wheel and it's like every once in a while it slows down a little bit, but then just when you think you're gonna get a rest, it revs back up again. So, you know, changing the grading policy, um, the recent changes to the grading policy seem to make a lot of sense to a lot of us so that we're not overly penalizing students who are having difficulty either accessing the technology, um, completing assignments. You know, there are as many students as there are in the system. There are reasons for why we're either excelling or, um, or having a lot of difficulty. So we have to, as teachers, adapt every assignment for sometimes a whole class of students and sometimes several classes of students um, to meet everybody's needs. So lesson planning, yeah, like we do that thing, <laughs> but, but then as we assign work and as we encounter difficulties ourselves or our students start um, noticing difficulties, we have to adapt pretty quickly. And I, I can say like, I think, teachers, from what I understand at Richard Montgomery, um, I, I think we're doing a pretty good job of doing that. To, to add on to that, you know, one of the changes uh, that I've noticed too is that because a lot of the students are getting a lot of these assignments all at one time throughout the week, and then a lot of teachers are, are using Sunday night as the, as the turn-in time, um, that, you know, the earlier I can get my assignments into the hands of the students in the week, uh, the, the better, because they are the ones who can decide when to fit in um, in their assignments. And the other impact that uh, this online stuff has had, not so much in changing how I 
create assessments, but how I deliver them because I only have two hours a week instead of four and a half hours a week. That's been a bigger impact on my planning than, than the grading policy, I'll be quite frank. So how do you think this grading policy is going to like impact different students and different um, types of students? Like obviously it'll have a benefit, but to what extent and what will that look like? I'll start. Uh, I just finished interims, so I, I can see the impact of you know where we started without applying the fifty percent, where I ended, uh, and you know what where you had noticed before as a you know a bell curve type of grade, maybe shifted a little bit toward the B's and A's, and depending on the course, I had a bimodal curve where they were higher on the ends, right? I had my failures and I had my A's is what I was experiencing and. You know, that didn't fit with what my grades used to look like in school. When I employed the 50%, it really helped catch up or at least leveled it a little bit um, with the folks that were in the failing category, such as the distribution pushed a lot of them into the D category, some of them into the Cs, and actually created something a little more that emulated what I'd seen in school than in online things. So the effect for me turned out to be a rather positive. And I think the effect for students will end up being, you know, what's it like going in and seeing that you have a 28% versus a 62%. Um, maybe, and uh, fingers are crossed, that, that the student that has the 62% now says, hey, I can do this. And I'm hoping that's one of those downstream effects of this new grading policy. So that's a thumbs up right there for me. Yeah, I agree. If I can just chime in and say, I agree with Mr. Kovacs completely on that. And one of the things that I've tried to focus on, and so many of us focus on right now, is the social emotional uh, well being of our students that just a zero after zero after zero. I mean, at, speaking for myself, like if it seems like I can't do it, then there's going to be a point at which I'm just not going to try. And um, there, there are folks, I understand, who may not be happy with a student earning or students earning a credit, 50% credit for something they haven't turned in. But let's remember that a 50% is still failing. So it's, it, it's, it's almost like um, given that we don't know, like we don't know the backstory of every single student and um, starting at a 50% is just a kinder way of helping students see that there is exactly as Mr. Kovacs has said, there is hope and we can do it together. Yeah, and <laughs> exactly. And if, if, if 50% is considered an unwarranted boost in some people's minds, yeah. then I would submit to them that online learning is an unwarranted, you know, uh, deficit. So maybe they even out. Let's hope. Yep. So one of the most like problematic parts of this new grading policy that people have been talking about is the fact that parents are so involved, especially in like high schools. A lot of people are asking the question, like, why are parents the ones that are deciding whether their student, whether their kid is failing like horribly or just like at a 60%? Like, why are they the ones that decide, even though this is supposed to be like a grading system that's be based on like merit and how hard you're working? It's funny because you said that um, that parents are the ones deciding. And so you might be talking overall policy. Or are you talking about the decision partway through the first semester for the policy to change to like 
change the zeros to 50% to um, reduce the number of overall assignments in regular classes from 12 down to seven and nine. Is that what you mean? It's like the part that's like, if you believe that your student deserves a zero, then you have to email the parent and the parent has to give permission for you to give that student a zero. And so people are like, why are the parents so involved? Oh, well, I see. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, the parents are the, are, are the people or the, the adults. We, I like to call them the adults. <laughs> but the, so the adults are the one who are overseeing pretty much everything that that student is doing. And I don't mean like looking over their shoulder to make sure that their math is correct or to make sure they've met a deadline. Although we, there are parents who do that and there are students who may need that. Um, but, but they're the ones who are dealing with the students that many hours of the day that they're not, that students aren't working in school. And so I, I think that that kind of makes sense. I, as, as a non-practitioner of issuing zeros under this new policy, I don't see needing my personally to ever contact a, a parent to ask for permission to give their student a zero, because for me, that's just not a practice I wanna to subscribe to. So on one hand, it's kind of a, it, it's a dilemma for me to try, actually try and answer this question because it's not a reality for me. I don't, I don't see myself ever giving a student a zero under this new policy, just period. Um, but I can imagine situations where a parent might say, you know, I know my kid well enough to know that maybe this is the thing that lights the fire under them and, and gets them started. I don't know, that's just a guess. Yep, like it or not, they are completely a stakeholder in this situation, just like the students are. Parents and students are both stakeholders in this in this environment. So they will always have a voice for certain. Yeah. Okay. What do you think is like the reasoning behind the policy? What makes it so important? And then what are like some of the conflicts that you think people might have with it, um, detriments or advantages? Yeah. You all have all the good questions <laughs> today. Look, the, it, I'm kind of going back to an earlier answer where I talked about us trying to be flexible as, as teachers and we need to be flexible as parents and as learners and administrators and, and people in the system. And, um, and you, know, you don't know sometimes whether something's gonna work until you have proof that it works. Just like you don't have proof that something's not gonna work until it doesn't. And, and one of the things that, that we're seeing is, you know, we had an online learning last year for the end of third quarter, right, in the spring. And then that changed for the fourth quarter. And then it changed again for first quarter this year. And now we've changed again. So it, it's probably appropriate. I mean, we're, we're in uncharted territory right now. So it, with the assumption that everybody's doing their best, it, that meaning, you know, students, teachers, policymakers, all the, the folks who are deciding what the grading policy is gonna be. Um, I, we're all using the best information about what we know about students and, and, and how to show that a student has um, not just invested time in their learning, but has mastered some of the objectives that we feel are most important in our different subjects. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree with everything um, that was said that, um, you know, this is really a lot of the, the reasoning behind this is for maintaining engagement of the students 
because you have a choice. You have a choice in the morning. You have a choice in the afternoon. Do I tune in? Do I not tune in? And uh, to try to keep you enthused, to try to keep you a part of this learning, um, I think these these new policies are there to um, to help you feel confident that you can do this, right? And uh, along the way, while we obey these these new rules, uh, we're doing our best as teachers to try to deliver what you need as far as content and information that'll carry you into next year. Uh, that's, you know, secondarily what we have to do. First thing we have to do is make certain that uh, we get to see your bright shining faces in the morning. That's, that's our goal. Okay, this is kind of two questions, but um, like the first part of this question is like, is it frustrating that MCPS continues to change and change their policies in the middle of the quarter or like multiple times. And it's, is it frustrating as a teacher to have to like figure up and play catch up and try to figure out what's going on? And the second part of that is, I think uh, Miss Lucky touched on this a little bit before, but I've heard a lot of complaints about teachers being like, it's hard, it's really frustrating to have to go back and change grades because of the disconnect between Canvas and student view. And like, it's really frustrating to move between them. Yeah, if on, on a continuum, right? If you've got like not changing and changing, um, I would much rather have them change to meet the demands of um, and meet the needs of students and teachers um, than to just stay with a policy that's not good for anyone. So it, it, as frustrating as it might be, then if it's what's best for students, and again, we may not know until grades come in at the end of the semester, right? But as Mr. Kovacs said, and as I observed in completing my own interims, yeah, things look a lot more hopeful for students who are already struggling. Um, going back to like what you said about, and what I referenced before about, you know, entering something in Canvas and, and, and seeing what's in Synergy, you know, I have the benefit of working with some students to try and help them get through other English classes. So it's not just students in my class. So I get to see what student grade books look like, or what student view looks like in Canvas when like a teacher doesn't put it in grades in Canvas, but only in Synergy. But then the student doesn't see the score in Canvas, but they look on Synergy, but the teacher hasn't put the score in yet. So like they don't know where they stand. I kind of, I, I've been able to see that from a student's perspective and I can see how frustrating it is. If, if one of the things that is hard for me is switching back and forth between two platforms that I describe as this, like Canvas and Synergy, they're like those two good friends or those two friends who like, get together and nothing good ever happens, right? <laughs> Maybe I just haven't figured out. It's like they always get in trouble whenever they hang out. But uh, people are going to be tired of hearing that an analogy. But I kind of feel that way. If the hardest thing that I have to do in my day is to find time to toggle a third-party read-only um, button on and off and take time pushing buttons, then I've got it made because I'm sitting in my house. I have reliable Wi-Fi. Um, I have food in my refrigerator. I don't have barriers right now to that I know of to presenting material to students. And if that's my biggest problem, I'm really in a pretty good place. It's frustrating. Yes, I'm not denying that, but it's uh, that's the way I feel about it, Mr. Kovacs. I'll stop talking before I get myself in trouble. <laughs> No, you're you're preventing me to, from showing you my frustrations. Yeah, um, 
you know, it, I guess it depends on the type of personality that you have. If you're like me and, and thrive on having a routine and having things, you know, laid out for you, and then you're just the, 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 the someone who delivers, um, then changing things periodically is actually a little bit of a turmoil. And I can imagine what students must feel when they have one teacher that does it one way and another teacher that does it the other way, like you were saying, uh, that must be really, really hard. Um, you know, having that standardization across all the teachers might be one of our next best improvements. But I know it's really hard for our admin and for our leaders to say, you have to do it this way. Everybody's got to be flexible in this system. So frustrated, um, With MCPS, nah, I know that they have to be reactive to, you know, what we're learning along the way. And I get that. I get that. Um, I wish that we could be more timely in some of those decisions, giving us a little bit more head start on learning what we need to do, uh, because it puts a little pressure on on teachers and, and you, right? The students. It's a lot of pressure on you when things change. You probably like a lot of routines and a lot of things that you can expect to happen. Um, so yes, it's frustrating, um, but I understand it. Um, and, you know, I'm resistant to change. I'm an older folk, so I like to have routines. But once I see it play out, you know, there's always that little aha moment that said, oh, okay, that makes sense. All right. So it's just that little energy of activation, if I can use a little scientific term there to get past. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Tide Pod. We hope you enjoyed the episode and we hope you'll join us again. Be sure to read up on the new grading system to learn more about what it entails and how it will affect you as a Montgomery County Public School student. A special thank you to Ms. Lucky and Dr. Kovacs for being guests on this podcast. More information about the Tide Pod and the rest of the newspaper can be found on the Tide's website, the rmtide.com. This episode of the Tide Pod was hosted by Lydia Ye and Annie Guo. The featured guests were Ms. Lehi and Dr. Kovacs. The script was written by Courtney Kim, Kaisen Taylor, and Lydia Ye. Publicity and outreach by Marula Prasad, Amna Shamim, Annie Guo, and Lydia Ye. Graphic by Valerie Wong. Music courtesy of Corrigan Peters. Edited by Redie Gebrehue. Produced by Marula Prasad and Amna Shamim.